What is up, college football fans? We are back for an all-new episode of the Cover 2 College Football Podcast. It's a great day to be here. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Smithson. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, the Oki Longhorn himself. Dalt, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. It is all the way back, baby. We are week one. We are here. We have a full slate of college football for the next five days. Right, right. We kind of had the appetizer last week with... You know, we had some games, but they weren't uh, nothing to write home about. No, nothing, um, nothing too spectacular. But yeah, starting tomorrow, you know, Thursday, we got a couple. One, one pretty interesting game with the you know West Virginia and Pittsburgh, um, and then OSU plays. That's kind of you know big for us, being more Big Twelve uh, centric. Sure, hope they don't get beat by another Hail Mary lateral. Right, but yeah, it's it's finally here. Um, obviously, our teams are both playing this weekend. They're probably going to be kind of a snooze fest. But uh, are you okay? You you're picking fights on Twitter with with OU. Now, now let's just let's just be completely honest. I was picking a fight with Miller. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I'm telling you, OU Twitter is a monster. It is the most toxic psychotic <laughs> and for y'all to be so fucking outrageously rampant on Twitter to be as soft as y'all are. Now I will say this, I got to plug the podcast a lot. I noticed with that. a lot of these goons. My, my notifications were letting me know. Well, I told you that these some bitches didn't leave me alone. I was gonna start trolling people. I love it. And I think we might have got one new listener. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. a couple. I mean, whatever helps. I I just kind of sat back and watched. It's it's pretty entertaining, and it kind of goes back to, like I said, OU Twitter. It's it's a bit of a different animal. There's some you know fan accounts like with any college team, and it, it's it gets pretty intense. I, I I see a lot of it. I'm not super involved in Twitter, but I, I follow a lot of people, so I see a lot of it. I just wanted to make sure everything was okay. I mean, I got told that Oklahoma's linebacker core was going to be one of the best in the country. Yeah. I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, come on. I think the linebacking core is going to be okay. Is it going to be one of the best in the country? I mean, I hope. No, but pro- but probably not. This guy I, said it with the confidence. Like I, I think I told you, uh, Venables was talking about depth not too long ago, and I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he talked about linebacker being like one of the fewest the spots in the team with the fewest the least depth. So, you know, they got some good players. Sure. But yeah, no, I, I (laughs) I, I, I was just blown away by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. But, um, in our other kind of opening thoughts and updates, I, I found this very interesting. Um, South Carolina. Oh my gosh. Their mascot, the, the rooster or the gamecock. Um, sir, big spur. Due to copyright issues is what I saw. They had to change his name from Sir Big Spur. He's now known as the General. And what came up just short, fan favorite name was the Cock Commander. The Cock Commander. Um, one. I, you know, it's it's obviously not really relevant news, but I just was looking through Twitter and it kind of just, I chuckled whenever I saw so many people tweeting about that. Even like some verified accounts. It, it was pretty funny. Um do you know why the the name come up is a weird deal? Like I, I read on it uh-uh. the other day, it's not because like they changed really anything. The people that usually have Sir Big Spur, mm-hmm. 
decided not to cut his comb, which is that red piece on his head. They chose not to trim it, and South Carolina wanted their mascot to have a trimmed one because it makes him look meaner. Meaner. Yeah. And they uh they said, well, I guess you're not using him, and you can't use the name Sir Big Spur because oh. we own that copyright. Okay. Well, all over a Cox haircut. Yeah, that's. I, I again just thought that was kind of funny. Um, some other news: your, your coach, Steve Sarkeesian, basically refusing to release a depth chart. You got any insight into why that is? He's probably trying to keep the boosters out of his phone. Yeah, I. I mean, he doesn't put a depth chart out. Who knows who's going to start? Right. Maybe the boosters just haven't given him the depth chart this week. No, I, I. It just was more funny to me the all the kind of the jokes that went around. Obviously, oh yeah, he, I mean that's you know, he's I don't afraid to release a depth chart because of the boosters because there was such a controversy with the quarterback situation or thought to be one. Yeah, and that's I don't know what I don't know what kind of transpired with this. I think it might be more of a we know who's going to start. We don't need nobody else's opinions kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So I mean I don't know. I feel like, right and. That's some news on your coach. Um, my coach, Oklahoma, Brent Venables, is currently preparing for week one by running stadium steps. And 95 in, degree heat. Yeah, it's borderline psychotic. I swear he's on drugs. Uh, I He might be. He kind of looks the part. Plain and simple. I love the guy. Love the energy. Love everything about it. Uh, it's not something, being a guy that works in this heat every day, not, not something that I would be doing. I thought that was, you know, kind of. Interesting. Obviously, people on Twitter always everybody loves that their coach runs stadiums. It's like that doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything for you. No, Charlie Strong runs stadiums and worked out before practice too. It looked what good it did him. But right. no, I think Brent Venables is definitely either on meth or he snorts crack. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, other news that kind of dropped today. Obviously, before we came to record was uh, it was. I think Pete Thamel tweeted, that was the first tweet that I saw, uh, the Big 12 is now actively speaking with ESPN and Fox about possibly renewing TV contracts early. Um, most people would think, ah, it's not a huge deal, but for you know guys like me and you, fans of OU in Texas, it kind of has a lot of, carries a lot of weight on OU in Texas possibly leaving the conference early. Oh, for sure. I because mean, obviously... If if their OU and Texas are going to be in a completely different contract in the SEC, and the Big Twelve is kind of doing this to prepare for you know the teams that are coming in next year, um, so I thought that was kind of interesting news. Pretty moving that they're going to come out and try to get this new contract up and running because that's that's perfect gateway. If they do that, Texas and OU don't have to pay to get out. Right. Like, that makes the contract they're in right now null and void. Right. They can just go. Right, right, right. Um, but my last my last opening thought was about, I heard this today, uh, UTEP, who Oklahoma plays this weekend, their quarterback, Gavin Harrison, pretty good player. He he seems okay. Like, I watched a little bit of that North Texas game. He, he looks a little better than I would like him to be, based on what I saw. Like, he's got kind of a live arm. But... I knew his name, and I was watching that game Saturday, and I realized he was wearing jersey number two, and the last name didn't match up. It said, like, Laffenberg, Laffenberg. Um, 
so I heard today, actually, somebody was talking about that. It's about a kid named Luke uh, Laufenberg who played tight end for UTEP in 2019. And he died of leukemia. And so every year since that year, one UTEP player wears his jersey number and his last name on their jersey. I just thought it was kind of cool. Um, obviously, doesn't really have any effect on the game or anything like that. But I heard that today, so I wanted to include it. It just was kind of – for any – any OU fan that may be wondering Saturday, hey, why is this guy wearing a different jersey? That's a little bit of insight behind that. Um, so just kind of obviously a sad deal that the kid passed away, but just kind of a cool way that they're they're honoring him. Yeah, keeping his memory alive, that's, that's pretty awesome. And so with that, that kind of rounds out our basically our opening thoughts, updates, um, basically kind of what's going on around college football. So we're going to kind of get right into our – Week zero review, I guess. Um, we picked four games. I did not start out so well. <laughs> not very hot. Uh, you went two and two. I went one and three. Because you went with that Oklahoma bias. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Wanted prob- UTEP to be one and oh so bad. Probably so. Um, we picked Illinois, Wyoming, North Texas, UTEP, Nebraska, Northwestern, and um, Hawaii and Vanderbilt. Illinois beat Wyoming 38-6. They did cover... North Texas beat UTEP 31-13. They covered. But probably the two games we maybe want to touch on a little more, Vanderbilt's back. Put them in. Are they? You cowards ranked them. Currently number one in the country in points per game. Yeah, monsters. 63. Um, I saw they were down seven to nothing early in that game, and I was like, hmm, okay, I feel pretty good about that. And then I... I don't think I saw till Sunday morning because they played super late. Yeah. And did, did you see that they had to play at a high school stadium? No. Because Hawaii's the Hawaii Bowl or whatever they used to call it, where they used to have the Pro Bowl and all that, was condemned, and they were tearing it down. <laughs> so they played at a high school stadium that only held like and that. Probably still didn't fill it. Yeah, up. that's what I was gonna say. I don't think it was packed. Um. Yeah, I saw they were down seven nothing. I was like, oh wow. Um. Maybe they'll cover. Like I picked. We both picked. I Hawaii. think yeah, you picked Hawaii too. Um, and Vanderbilt, they were a nine I, point I favorite. Looked, Vandy was a nine point favorite, and we were kind of like, well, we don't really trust Vanderbilt. Yeah, who does? Mm-hmm. And I would wake up Sunday morning and see they won sixty three to ten, and I was just like, what? Okay, but they end up scoring a uh, two touchdowns, uh, defensive touchdowns. I think fumble recovery, scoop and scores. Um, quarterback, he didn't have like a great day throwing the football, but he. Mike Wright, junior quarterback, he rushed for 163 yards and two touchdowns and threw for only like 143 and two touchdowns. So he obviously had a pretty good game on the ground and in the air. And they just kind of – I think they had a huge third quarter. Like it was a fairly – I think it was like 21 to 10 at halftime, and then they just kind of rolled over them exploded. in the third quarter. Um, so, yeah, Vanderbilt covers. Um, but the biggest game of the weekend, I guess if you want to call it a big game, over in Dublin, Ireland, North or Nebraska basically did everything they could to lose the game, and they lost the game. They found a way. Uh, I mean, Scott but, Frost is terrible. Oh God, he's just not a good coach. I, I think his need to win made him press to think we could put this game away right now. If I, if but so, an onside kick up eleven. Yeah, so I wasn't watching the game Saturday. I know I have a college football podcast. Probably shouldn't yeah. have been watching the game, but I was 
out with my family. You know, I, I was off this past weekend. And I saw it was 28-17, so I'm thinking, okay, Nebraska's going to pull away. One but then in, the, then in the back of the, my mind, I'm thinking, well, who knows what might happen. Well, then I end up seeing that they lose, you know. Casey Thompson throws the interception, goes right through his guy's hands. He kind of threw it behind him, but ball should have been caught. Oh, and, and Casey threw about four or five balls like that. Yeah, I think they, they said guys. they had like seven drops yeah. in the game. But then I saw they were, when they went up 28-17, he kicked an onside kick. And after the game, I think he said that they just felt like they could if they the could get away. it, they could put it away. Let, that's just not something you do against Northwestern. A team that they beat 56-7 to a year ago. Like, if they're playing Oklahoma week three or week four for they, them they or week three. Beat. No, I think if you're playing a team that you're outmatched against – you can do something like that and take that chance because you you probably are not going to win the game. But against a team that you, by all accounts, are more talented than, should have, they, we were what, 13-point favorites? And yeah, something like 12 or 13. You go up 11, like, kick it deep, force a three and out, and go score again. You're up 35-17. The game is over. It made no sense. Like, I'm surprised that they let Scott Frost on the damn plane back to Nebraska. Hell, <laughs> They might be waiting a couple of weeks for I'm that. I'm not too sure that he didn't sneak off the sideline and get some free booze that they were given at the stadium because the internet went down. He did get drunk. I well, mean, I I just – when I heard that, I was just like – because, you know, remember in the national title game back in 2017, Saban kicked that onside kick against Georgia. Yeah. Because he felt like they needed a spark, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And so, great. It worked. It was great. But you don't do that against Northwestern, like a team that you were, in every aspect, better than. Like, it just didn't make any sense. They, I'm telling you, I think Scott Frost is just so hungry for a win that in his mind, he just chose, said, like, hey, we gotta, I got to press this and get, get this game over with. Because, I mean, how many games did they lose last year that were close? Oh, yeah. It, it was a lot of games that they lost close. But, yeah, I mean... I think, like I said, I think that I saw that they've lost um, seven or so straight games, and like he's lost so many games by single digits. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying. He just pressing for a win so bad that he feels like he has to put games away, like early. He has to do fluky things to win games. Yeah, and I mean, Nebraska was awful running the football. But Casey was good in the first half. But, right. Thompson looked good in the first half. And, I mean, he ended up having a – I mean, besides the two interceptions, which the one really wasn't his fault. I mean, he threw for 355 yards in a, in a touchdown, I think. Was it just one or two? Uh, One. And then he and, had a quarterback sneak touchdown. And so – but they rushed for 110 yards on 31 attempts, which is three and a half yards of rush against Northwestern. Yeah. And it's like that picture that you sent. Of Northwestern, like Nebraska, I was so surprised. And this is what everybody has talked about is at how Nebraska just kind of got pushed around. It was bad up I know, front. I know Northwestern has probably the number one tackle in the country, in whatever his name was. They're talking about him being the first one off the board, but that's one lineman, right? That one lineman can't block the block five guys. Yeah, and they the holes that Northwestern was opening up for these running backs was unreal. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, that picture that you sent, I I think you you had made the comment in high school you would have took it to the crib, and you might have. Uh, 
guy. You could have drove a truck through that. Oh, hole. it was it was at least three yards wide, and and no uh, linebacker in sight. I just, I, it's almost just like you watch Nebraska, and like I think on the maybe with the radio that I was listening to, somebody was talking about they fell asleep like before the fourth quarter because they didn't feel like they needed to watch the game because they knew exactly what was going to happen, and that's what happened. And I mean. Scott Frost has to go. Yeah, he's, I mean he's not gonna. He's he, and like if he the, makes it through the season, he won't. I don't think he will either. The, and I mean the rumors that are swirling are that he's they're gonna wait till October first because his buyout basically cuts in half yeah. if they fire him after then. And I I just I know he's like you know the prodigal son like you know won a national title but just because you're a great player or were a great player, that doesn't always make you a great coach. You know, I know he had a lot of success at UCF, but that's a totally different animal in yeah, a place I mean, like Nebraska being in the Big Ten. I mean, you weren't playing nobody at UCF. And you know who a lot of jokes have been made? Nebraska fans, they sure would like to have Bo Pelini back. Yeah, Bo Pelini had a really heard, good record. I heard, I think Nebraska has, or Scott Frost, I think, has won like a total of 15 games. And so when yeah. they when they fired Bo Pelini, he was sixty seven and twenty seven. Yeah. So that means Scott Frost could win fifty in a row, break the record for games won in a row, and he would still have two less wins than Bo, Bo Pelini, Pelini did. Now I know that would obviously be in less amount of time because Pelini was there for quite a while, but I just, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say really about Frost. I, I just, I Nebraska's not any good. Then it, you know everybody talked about they might be better, but it just looks like the the same same song, different. Like when that game started, Casey literally led them right down the field and they scored. And in my head, I was thinking, that's what, what kind of what I expected. Right. And then I want to say they scored again, went up. Now maybe Northwestern tied it up. But they kind of went back and forth, and when they went up 11, in my head I'm thinking, okay, put it away. And then the onside kick happens. Mm -hmm. You give Northwestern a short field, and they just automatically cut it within four. Yeah. And it's just one of those, I was just so shocked. But, and Casey had made the comment that he felt that Nebraska's depth was better than what oh, he yeah. what he had at Texas. And in my head I'm thinking That was just idiotic. And it I don't know if you've seen it or not, but he come out and yeah. addressed that. But how 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 many times do you think he was wishing he was throwing checking down to Bijan or yeah. throwing I mean, throwing that pass over the middle to Xavier Worthy. I mean it's just I'm one sure of those he things. felt he probably felt real good about the talent when that pass went right through the tight end's hands and <laughs> they lost and they lost the game. I'm sure he Probably felt really good. And, you know, Nebraska could win 10, 10 games in a row and it'd be all roses, but it's not going to happen. No, it's not. I don't see him probably at this point winning six games. I mean, maybe. I, I don't really know their schedule too well, but I just don't see things going well. I don't see Scott Frost making it through the season, so they're going to go through a, a coaching change midseason, which is going to make things even worse. Um, So, I that's really kind of all I've got on our like like we talked about North Texas they they that was a really close game with UTEP um it was like I think 14 to 10 maybe at half and then they kind of just pulled away uh, UTEP didn't look very good um 
Illinois just handled Wyoming. I was a little surprised by that because Illinois just has been really bad. Um, but they they took care of business, obviously, winning, you know, 38-6. Um, like I said, the, the Nebraska-Northwestern game was definitely the biggest game of the weekend. And it it wasn't even that it was that bad of a game. It's just like everybody watching, you're thinking like, come on, Nebraska, come on. Come on, yeah. do something. It's like that meme where you got the stick and yeah. you're poking just, it. It's like, do something. <laughs> and and nothing happens. It, and it's just, like I said, the, the same stuff, different different day, same same team, different season. Like, And so, you know, that kind of, like I said, that round that rounded out our picks because we only did four because there were really only four games to talk about. And so, you're, you know, you're entering this next week, week one at two and two. One game up, baby. Yeah, and I'm I'm one and three. We we needed to figure out what what the winner is. Maybe just dinner or something. I don't know. Uh, I'll buy a six pack six pack or something. <laughs> Sounds good. At least you're admitting that you know that you're not going to beat me. Yeah, I mean I I've never been great like the whole spread thing, but and this week's pretty interesting on the spread. Yeah, There's... oh for sure. And kind of you you had talked about touching on it um, before we get into our. Week one preview or picks. We're obviously you're a Texas fan. I'm an Oklahoma fan, so I'll kind of give you the floor. Um, I'm sure everybody's super excited to hear how you think Texas will fare this week against Louisiana Monroe. I think they're what like 37 and a half point favorites. Yeah, it's a massive amount. I'm assuming I, that game's obviously probably in Austin. Yeah, yeah, it's. On the Longhorn Network, so I won't get to watch it. And oddly enough, it's going to sound crazy enough. I don't think Texas is going to cover. I wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't cover, but they're going to win. They're going to win yeah. pretty handedly. And my whole thing is, is they play a lot of Louisiana schools. Played Louisiana Lafayette last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just Louisiana now. They basically they don't yeah, go they, by Lafayette. But yeah, the uh, what I want to see, and I kind of watched the Horns two four seven video podcast, whatever they call it, today and found out some interesting stuff. Did you know that ULM's line, four of their five linemen were statistically the worst offensive linemen in the Sun Belt last year? The one kid that was their like decent lineman mm-hmm. transferred from Texas there, and now he's transferred from there to Rutgers. Wonderful. So, and... <sighs> What I want to see is the offense is going to score because John's probably going to have a big day. Yeah, I don't think Quinn has a lot of trouble during the day. But you I wouldn't, want you wouldn't think so. No, I want to see the defense. Yeah, the defensive front just absolutely manhandle the Warhawks. I would love to see six sacks. Yeah, and I we, mean it's a great it's a great way to kick off your season. You know, on like a. Because you obviously got a huge game next yeah, week. Next like, you know, just go and take care of business, you know, play well, both sides of the football, just sound. That's obviously what you want to see. Um, and I think that's what will happen. Texas, they'll they'll take care of business. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't see much of a stress. But this is what I like to see. I, I know the score is going to probably be pretty big. And Texas might come out and beat them 60 to nothing. But at the same time, yeah. why would you want to beat Louisiana Monroe 60 to nothing when you've got Alabama coming in next week? Right. So I mean that's kind of what I'm hoping to see from Texas this weekend. I know, I know you've got some stuff that you'd like to kind of find out from your team being a new coaching staff and 
right. everything. So what, what are some of the keys that you want to see against UTEP? Obviously not a very strong opponent, but... No. Um, I just want OU to play well. Uh, just kind of like you felt how you feel about Texas. Just kind of go in and take care of business. Uh, I'm honestly, as far as like, not not as much as how they're going to play. Like, I'm just anxious to see how the new staff like does things. Like the atmosphere at the stadium, I think is going to be a little different because of how much Venables has pushed for the fans to be more involved. And like, it, it's just going to be kind of, I feel like a totally different feel. As far as the game, you know, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. You know, get a lot of a lot of guys should get to play. Um, obviously, would like to see Dylan Gabriel have a good day. I don't think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I mean, they will, but not a ton. I, I figure they'll run the ball a lot, and then mix in kind of some deep deep shots here and there. And uh, defensively, I, it's hard to expect a lot. I think like we had talked about. Um, just a little bit ago, the UTEP quarterback, he's he looked a little better than I would have liked for him to. Um, kind of got a live arm. He's a bigger kid. Um, but I'm just not expecting a ton. Just I just want to see OU go and take care of business. I mean, right. like, I think a lot of people are expecting OU to win like 85 to nothing. I don't think that's going to happen. I would like to just see, you know, like, I don't know, 56 to 10 or something, something like that, you know. Don't give up too many points. Don't give up too many yards. You know, play well. And obviously, I don't. You don't want to see any injuries in a game like this. That's, yeah, absolutely. it's not. It's not gonna, in the grand scheme, really matter. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I don't have a whole lot to add. Just simply because I I just think kind of like you how you felt about Texas. It it's just one of those games you just got to go in and and take care of business. So, with that, I guess that that kind of leads us into this week's picks and so we kind of have we have an order here and you know the first couple are not really marquee matchups but there are some really good games this weekend um that i'm i'm really looking forward to and so the first game is florida state the first game that we're going to pick is florida state versus lsu this game's on sunday night and it's I guess what you would consider a neutral site game. It's in uh, the Superdome down in New Orleans, so it'll be heavy LSU crowd. Right, pretty, pretty, pretty close to home. And so the Tigers they come in as a three point favorite. I this could almost be a pick 'em to me. I'm I'm kind of surprised it's not even because, and I know LSU's been a better program, but you know, outside of 2019, they haven't been much better. Yeah, I mean, first year coach. And six total returning starters right. for LSU. That's right. that's nerve wracking. And I think a lot of people will be, you know, intrigued to see how Brian Kelly how that kind of era starts. And it's not a, obviously not an easy game. No, no. And that's what I was gonna kind of go into. Like, it's probably gonna be the Arizona State transfer, Jaden Daniels taking the snaps for them. He says he knows who a starter is, but he's not gonna announce it before Sunday. Yeah. So I mean. <sighs> Kind of like Sark not dropping a depth chart. He's kind of keeping his cards close, which everything that I've read says that Jaden Daniels has been better in camp. Yeah. And then you got Florida State, who brings back a did, lot of experience. Did he not name the Daniels kid? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought he did. No, he says he knows who the starter is going to be. It's going to be Daniels. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. But, I mean, you got – and then Florida State, they bring back a lot of experience. Because the one kid didn't – wasn't it the LSU kid that retired? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, it'll be the Daniels kid. I think so too. It was it was between him and a sophomore. 
Okay. So, who you like? My, it's LSU minus three. I like LSU minus three. I don't. I know Florida State brings back a lot of experience. I think they bring back like fifteen total starters. But how 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 good is that experience when it's kind of been a down program? I know they feel comfortable with the Jordan Travis kid behind center taking snaps, but I'm still giving me LSU and basically a home game. Yeah, I I'm gonna go. Uh, you know, obviously, you would think I should pick against you to try and you know get. It's it's early though, so I, I'm gonna go LSU two minus three. Uh, I think they probably win this game by ten or so. You know, maybe just a touchdown. Um, but I, I think LSU because it's like it's gonna be like a home atmosphere for them, and I think they're probably more talented. Um, the Daniels kid will he'll you know he'll probably have a, probably play pretty well, and and so I, I'm going with LSU also. I, I like the Tigers to to cover and win by probably seven or ten on uh, Sunday night. So that takes us to our next game. Uh, this one's probably obviously the biggest point differential of the weekend, but it's kind of a Monday night, like it's primetime Monday night game. Um, uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech. It's also a neutral site game. It's at 7 o'clock on Monday in Atlanta at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Clemson's a 22-point favorite. 22 points is a lot, but uh... – Give me Clemson. I think that that defense is going to be pretty stout up front. Did you did you see who the seal picked? The, the did he pick Georgia Tech? Yeah. Well, give me Clemson. That's <laughs> that seal Which, can. Do he's obviously he wants. not picking the point spread, but yeah. But I think that I think that um I think Clemson's defensive front seven's just too strong, and oh, they're yeah. they're going to manhandle that triple option. Georgia Tech might not score. Right, and that's what I was going to say. If DJ just has a remotely halfway good game they're going to at least put four touchdowns up and if he doesn't play good it might be a great chance for Dabo to say you know you don't have it no more let's go to the Klebnik kid so this is it'll be interesting to see this is probably ignorant by me but I'm gonna give you the Lee Corso not so fast my friend I how are they gonna keep within 22 if they don't score Tim I know I know but I think Georgia Tech loses the game obviously but I I do think they cover. I think Clemson beats them by seventeen or eighteen. I think it's it. The score is not going to really show probably the how bad that Clemson really probably handles them. Yeah. But I think both teams are going to be you know first game. Clemson has a new staff, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. They I still think they have the question mark at quarterback with DJ. I know Georgia Tech's not very good, but give me Georgia Tech to cover. I like it. And so with that, this takes us into kind of our, our better matchups of the weekend. Um, Utah and Florida. Utah's going to the Swamp in Florida. Uh, that is primetime game on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, Utah's a three-point favorite last time I checked. So you you like the Utes here or are you want you taking the Gators to cover? I do like the Utes. I know the Swamp can be – quote-unquote, a tough place to play. But uh, when you return eight starters on offense and one being your stud quarterback and your leading running back from last year, I think you're going to be okay. Defense travels. That's exactly what I was thinking. Defense travels, and especially when you're Coach uh, Winningham's defense, you travel everywhere. And I know they lost a lot and they have to replace a lot, but it's like we talked about last episode. He – 
just consistently puts out good defense. Right. So give me the Utes minus three. I I'm gonna agree with you here. I like the I like Utah to cover as well. I think this is a game that they probably probably win by ten or thirteen, I think. Um I like Utah has the better quarterback. Utah probably has, definitely has the better defense. I I do think the swamp poses some problems for you know a first game road trip for a team with such high expectations. Like they're the number seven team in the country, Utah. So that's going to probably be the toughest environment that a lot of those guys have probably ever played in. Like as far as a road, true road environment, I'm sure it's going to be loud. Um, I know a lot of people are high on the the. Florida quarterback, the I think it's Richardson, his last name. Was he the one that went to the portal? I think so. And come back yeah, out. I think so, maybe. I I just know a lot of I know a lot of people are his name is I think it's Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I think it's his name. I think you're right. And so he's kind of a dual threat guy, really good athlete. And so I mean I could see I think Florida will give him some trouble early on, but I think second half, like like you said, defense travels. Um it may be tight, you know, going into halftime, but Ultimately, I think Utah, they probably pull away, and, and like I said, I think they win by 10 or 13. So I I also like the Utes to cover down, down at the Swamp uh, on Saturday night. And so that takes us into our fourth game, and this might be the best game of the weekend as far as just, like, Comp- like I don't know about competition, and I could see it maybe not being that way, but I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, you got Arkansas, Cincinnati's going to Fayetteville uh, on Saturday. That's at two thirty. Like I said, in Fayetteville, Arkansas currently is a six-point favorite. Who do you like? I'm oh gosh, I'm hammering the Arkansas minus six. Are you? I am, man. And, and Cincinnati lost their starting quarterback who led them to the college football playoffs last year. They lost a lot on defense. And I want to say they lost a couple other pieces on the on the line up front. Arkansas is probably the most underrated team in the SEC right now, outside of maybe like Tennessee. But I think Arkansas is probably better than Tennessee. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. You bring back K.J. Jefferson, who was 20, 21 touchdowns last year to four interceptions. That's a pretty good spread. He I takes saw, care of the football. Saw somebody compare him to Bryce Young today, but like forty pounds heavier. <laughs> and the crazy thing about KJ is he also led Arkansas last year in rushing. Yeah. They bring back the Raheem Sanders kid who plays running back. He's a sophomore, six two, two twenty, two thirty five, I think. Yeah. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to kind of lean on you. He kind of split carries in that three-headed monster backfield they had last year. Right. But they had one kid transfer out, and I think the other kid got hurt. But I think that the offense is going to be okay because you do lose Burks, but you plug in Hazelwood. Right. And Hazelwood might be a little bit more of a quicker, better athlete than Burks was. Yeah. Maybe not sure-handed if he stays healthy. Who knows? But what I like about Arkansas is the defense. That defense is loaded with dudes. Did you know Bumper Pool came back? Mm-mm. What a name. Bumper Pool. The, <laughs> what a name. The human target machine. <laughs> I swear it's like every third game he's ejected for targeting. Yeah. You you add him with, you still have Jalen Catalong in the back end, the Broken Arrow product in Miles Slusher, and you add who just recently Nick Saban said would have been their starting middle linebacker if he hadn't transferred. Oh yeah, yeah. And Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders. I forgot that he went there. 
Alabama or Arkansas had a good transfer portal. Yeah, very class. good transfer portal class. And I just think that that's going to be. I think Arkansas. I don't know that since he puts up more than. I have 14 no, points. I honestly have no idea what Cincinnati has. I don't, I don't either. That's why I'm saying give me Arkansas minus I, six. I know I made the comment last week that they kind of got, I thought, kind of disrespected at 23, but that's probably about right with, you know, they lost their probably the best player maybe in program history, one of the better players in the Ritter kid at quarterback. Um, I think they lost both corners. Yeah, the Gardner kid who – did you see he just signed, signed a, a deal, deal with yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings sauce. sauce? Yeah. Um so I I think I'm leaning Arkansas as well, but I think I think it could be a lot like the Texas game last year for Arkansas, where they just kind of run it down their throat. Like yeah. like just they're not gonna physically Obviously, physically last year, you would, Texas is a little different than Cincinnati, but I think physically Cincinnati is going to be very limited in stopping the run with the quarterback and then who they have at running back. So I, I think Arkansas is probably going to control the time of possession. They're, it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to do anything. Fayetteville is typically a pretty hostile environment. You know, I mean, first game of the season is a home yeah, game. Like Razorback fans, they're they're up there among some of the, the crazier uh, fan bases. Um Looking forward to those trips. If you know, whenever that that will that will be kind of nice. Yeah, being able to drive that close for a conference right. game. Yeah, maybe for a road game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I, I like Arkansas. What did I say? Minus six. Yeah, minus six. I I think they probably win the game by maybe two touchdowns. Like I I can just see them kind of or more than that. I mean, I, I think like you said, Cincinnati's going to have a hard time even probably scoring, but um. So yeah, give give you you took the pigs minus minus six. I will also take the pigs minus six. So we're we're kind of in agreement here for the most part. Uh, and that this is taking us into our prior our, definitely the two biggest games of the weekend. And I I can't tell you how excited. I know one of them is at two thirty. So I obviously won't really probably watch it. I'll keep up with it. I'll be watching the OU game, but. I'll definitely be keeping up. That's the Georgia-Oregon game. This is a neutral site game, but it's essentially a home game for Georgia. Being in Atlanta. Being in, it's in Atlanta. Um, so that's going to be a heavy, heavy Georgia crowd. And they are 17-point favorites. So I, I'm really intrigued where where you are. Where are you, where are you at on this game? I think Oregon is in a prime position to upset Georgia. I think Dan Lanning has been sitting in coaches' meetings for five-plus years with Kirby Smart going back to 2015 when he was at Alabama. The scheme's not going to change at Georgia. I think Dan Lanning is going to understand that defense so much that he can help game plan the offense. And I think that the defense for Georgia has just lost too much to be as dominant as they were. Well, I mean, who who better to shut down the Georgia offense than their former defensive coordinator? Exactly. I mean, you know, I and you made a great point that I hadn't even thought about or I guess realized last week that, you know, Georgia, they lost so many on what, what did you say, only returning three starters only on defense? three starters on defense. They lost eight guys. And I mean, you talk about like N'Kobe Dean and – or is it Dean or Bean? Dean. And, you know, a guy like uh, the big... Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, yeah. 
I mean, those guys are not really just immediately replaceable, even yeah. at, even at a place like Georgia. Um, so, I it's just so hard for me because Oregon has so many question marks because of players they lost to the portal and you know first year head coach and you got Bo Nix as your quarterback who has been pretty well mediocre in his career. You know he was at Auburn, um, so you just don't know you know, how good the Georgia defense is going to be, but then how good is Bo Nix and the Oregon offense going to be? And and like I said, you got first-year head coach. I, I think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game. But you think about, like, there's probably a lot of players still on the team from, like, last year. Oregon Oregon in the trenches up front, they're good. Oh, well, I, mean, I mean, their offensive line. Their, their offensive line is very good. I think they bring back four or five starters. There. And then, I mean, you talk about at – like on defense, a linebacker, they got the Sewell kid and, and Justin Flo. Justin Flo. I mean, those two are the better linebackers in the country. Yeah. And so, they, I mean, they cover, the, both of those guys cover a lot of ground. You you lose Mario Cristobal, but that, it ain't like they lost everybody to the portal or no. to the draft. Like, no. Oregon's got really good talent. Like, yeah. they got top 10 class talent. You know, top 10, top 15, whatever it might. I don't know what their classes have been, but they've been good. Cristobal's recruited really well there. Um, so, I... I think losing the die kid hurts. Oh yeah, for sure. But I don't think that it's such a big deal that you can't move the ball. I think you're going to be a little pass heavy with Bo Nix. Maybe use his legs some to kind of open up the run game. But I, I'm picking Oregon plus seventeen. I think that I think Georgia's got too big of a question mark for me to think that they're just that dominant. Right. Like Kirby Smart's going to have to show me that he's as good as Nick Saban because right. you want it once. Right. Because you 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 have that mentality yeah. now at Georgia that you don't rebuild you reload yeah but show me you can reload you have right. to show me no that. i i totally agree and i i think i'm probably leaning with you on on oregon plus if if there was one team this weekend and obviously it's number 11 versus number three i think if there's one team that's ranked lower that's not a favorite that could win their game as much as anybody end up winning the game yeah i think it's oregon i do too and but I'm, I'm covering not- covering 17 easily Probably, I think. I mean, you think about Georgia last year, how good they were, right? Yeah. They were really good. Play the first game of the season against a Clemson team that couldn't score against air, yep. basically. And they win, what, 10 to 7? Yep. I mean, and they got better. That as, was as and, the year right. Went on. So you get better. So obviously, but first, first game, right. you're putting eight new starters in on defense. Right. Give, give me the plus 17. I'm not saying Oregon beats them, but I think Oregon's in a good spot to beat them. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I'm with you on the Oregon Duck train. Give me the Ducks plus 17. And so that takes us into, I guess, what you can call our game of the week. I think it's everybody's game of the week. Um, This is primetime matchup, uh, top five matchup, a game that could have, you know, week one playoff implications for these two teams. Yeah, definitely for Um, one team for sure. And so that, that is our... Our matchup of the week is the Ohio State Buckeyes are playing the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This game is in Columbus, Ohio. Like I said, primetime matchup, six thirty in the horseshoe. You just you don't ask for much more than what what you get. No, here. two of these historic programs. I think what's a little crazy to me is what is it the number two and the number five team in the country? Yes, the spread seventeen. That's kind of crazy. That's. Like, what's what's even more shocking to me about that than anything is how high everybody has been on Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame since they hired him. I mean, they're like the the way that it has been portrayed is just you're going to plug him in and they're going to go. Which I know he retained a lot of the staff and 
they brought back several players, but you know, you lose you lose, I believe, the Hamilton kid, which was their best defensive Kyle, player. Kyle Hamilton, the safety. You lose the running back. I mean, this was a really good Notre Dame team last year. And, you know, there may you may have, as far as one side of the ball goes, more question marks on – it's hard to determine what, what side of the ball has more question marks. Is it Notre Dame's offense or maybe Ohio State's defense? Because the defense was not very good last year. No. Yeah, and that's – one thing you don't have to worry about. We talked about defense is going to travel. Yes. And we know Notre Dame's got a very good defensive-minded head coach. Head coach, right. But the line 17. Yeah. And the line 17 for a real damn good reason. Uh, Ohio State's offense is pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. You've got C.J. Stroud in his second year. Right. And they everybody says that the second year is always better than the first. What who a lot of people are picking is their Heisman. Yes, I mean right he's the, he's the favorite, early right Heisman now. favorite. You have a extremely experienced offensive line, mm-hmm. a very good offensive line, very big, very physical offensive line. Where they kind of got into trouble last year was trying to run the ball in short yard situations, right? And I think they kind of fixed that, bringing in Justin Fry as their offensive line coach. But my thing is, you got to worry about the Jackson Smith and Jigba kid. Yeah, he's. The real deal. He's really the truth. Good. He's probably going to get his. So, in I mean, this case. probably going to possibly, between him, you know, depending on quarterback play with Worthy at Texas, you know, possibly the Bolitnikoff winner. Yeah. I mean. I mean early pick, probably. Ver, probably early what, favorite. Yeah. I know you got Jordan Addison at. Right. USC. At USC. But CJ Stroud is just. He's really good. Really good. And Jack Smith and Jigba just finds a way to get open. I think that. I think Notre Dame just got to let him get his. Don't let him beat you deep. If he catches underneath, just tackle. Yeah, him. I think it's kind of a you know kind of a try as much as you can to keep everything in front of you. Yeah, and you can't let C.J. Stroud run the football. You can't give no. Brian Day any breathing room up front. And I mean, you talk about Smith and Jigba, and they got Marvin Harrison Jr. And then the a guy that really he gets talked about a lot, but the the Henderson kid at running back is one of the more versatile running backs in the country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's probably a top five running back in the country. Had a really good, true freshman year last year. Um, he's probably going to be a huge factor in this game because if, if Ohio State can run the ball effectively, it's Notre over. Dame's going to have a long night. A very long night. Yeah, kind of like you were just talking about. And, I mean, Stroud, he's not he's no slouch running the ball. Like, he's got no, he's know, very escapability. But um, I think Notre Dame, they they simply have to – keep the ball out of Ohio State's hands as much as possible. And you you can't let the crowd overwhelm you, the atmosphere, you know, the moment, you know, it it's a huge moment for Marcus Freeman. Oh yeah. You're talking about one of the biggest stadiums in America as far as college football is concerned. A historic place like Ohio State. And with all the hype they have going in right now, right? I mean, there, a lot of people are picking Ohio State to win the whole thing, if if not Alabama, right? And, and so that's kind of why I talked about this having huge playoff implications because you know Notre Dame's got a fairly tough schedule. I know they have this game; they play Clemson, USC, um, USC into the year, which is going to be a much better USC team than you know last Week year. One last year. Um, and then for Ohio State too, you know they have a tough Big Ten schedule. Um, Obviously, you know, Michigan's going to be okay, and then all the other teams that they're going to play in in that conference. And 
this is kind of a it, – it's not obviously a must win because you see so many teams get into the playoff with one loss. Yeah. Um, and this this is one of those classic good loss situations, you know, for yeah. either of these teams. So, I, Notre Dame's going to have to run the football. Yeah. They're, they Like you said, they had to keep it out of C.J. Stroud's hands. And kind of what I want to touch on defensively, Jim Knowles is yeah. brought in. It'll be really be- – Interesting to see. To be more physical with the run. And I kind of got here. I read something. He inherits a almost close copy to Malcolm Rodriguez. And I know OSU fans, I'm talking about your boy, but I'm talking about your boy in a good way. Future starter for the Detroit Lions. I promise you he will. And he's a great player. But they, already, they already cut the guy that they drafted ahead of him at linebacker. Did they really? Mm-hmm. They They love him in Detroit. Yeah. But and that's what I'm kind of getting into here. Malcolm Rodriguez was a damn good linebacker mm-hmm. in Jim Knowles' system. Tommy Echenberg, Echenberg, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, he had 17 tackles in the Rose Bowl last year. Oh, defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. Granted, Utah's offense went up and down the field all day. Yeah, but 17 tackles is a lot, and you put him in this scheme that right. Malcolm Rodriguez just drived at right i mean he's three inches taller than malcolm with 10 more pounds so it's he's a close copy a great fit yes obviously. if he can yeah. if he can even produce half of what malcolm rodriguez did at osu i'm with you he's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great system but doing it doing it and being good on paper are two completely different things oh for sure i think that uh Ohio State's going to have to stop the run if they want to cover that 17-point spread. Right. I agree. I. So, who you like? If it was at a neutral site or in South Bend, I would say give me Notre Dame plus 17. But with it being at the shoe and Notre Dame kind of having a <laughs> first-year quarterback, yeah. give me Ohio State minus 17. So you like the Buckeyes to cover. I like I, I, like, I like them to play well. I'm looking to get a game back here, and so I'm going to take the Irish to cover. Um, probably I may regret this. I don't know. I, it's not a bad pick. I mean, I don't want to say that Notre Dame's a bad team, and I don't think that they're 17 points wor- worse of a team than – Ohio State. Well, right. It's just one of those situations that things could balloon on them very quickly. Very quickly. Like, if you – I mean, you can blink and with be what down this 14. Ohio State offense is probably going to be and be down 14, 17, 21. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, you turn – you give up a give up a touchdown, turn the ball over, give up another touchdown, then they get a stop. Like, you're like, oh, back's against the wall. Like, you're begging for a stop. Right. And it's – and you're not going to get very many of them. But I think – I think, you know, Marcus Freeman, they, somebody had brought up that they were 17 point underdogs and he, what it appeared that he had no idea. No, he didn't know. Uh, And so I thought that was really interesting that he kind of, you know, they'll obviously use that as bulletin board material. Yeah. That's going to be a, that's going to be a little bit of a, that's going to go play like a champion. That's yeah. That's a group, you know, he's probably a guy that they love to play for. So I'm sure they're going to use that as motivation. So I think, I think Notre Dame is going to show up ready to play. And I, I just think. 17, it's a lot, and, and I think Notre Dame's, you know, they're a, really, a good football team, and so I, I I could see, you know, 14, and so they cover. Yeah, like maybe like a – Like a 38 to 
24 game. 24, yeah, something like that. 38, 28, you know, they lose by 10. I, I don't know how well, like we talked about, I don't know if Notre Dame's going to be able to score. But but you if, don't know if, if Iowa State's going to be able to stop them either. Right. And so the, there's just a lot of questions. It, it kind of goes back to what I had talked about um, with it being – who is the? What's the bigger question mark? The Notre Dame offense or the new revamped Ohio State defense? And I think on the other side of the ball, the Ohio State offense definitely trumps probably what's going to probably be a good Notre Dame defense with Freeman and I mean guys that they have. But ultimately, I think like I think Ohio State wins the game, but I, I like Notre Dame to cover. You know, maybe by lose by ten, lose by fourteen, so you're good. So. Uh, we'll we'll kind of go go back over these picks. Our our first game, you you had LSU minus three. Yeah. I also like LSU minus three. Uh, you had Clemson minus twenty two. I took the long shot there, and I'm taking Georgia Tech plus twenty two. Who's not going to score? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then our our third game was Utah and Florida. Uh, we both took the Utes there minus three. Uh, Arkansas Cincinnati. That's Arkansas minus six. We both took Arkansas there minus six. Uh, Oregon, Georgia. We both took, we both took Oregon, Oregon plus, 17. plus seventeen, and then we're we're split decision here on the Notre Dame Ohio State. You like you like Ohio State minus seventeen, and I'm going Notre Dame plus seventeen. So I'll, I'll have a little bit of a chance here to you know maybe pick up some ground if you, I, you might I, you might I pick may, up some ground. You might be running a little bit behind. I, I may be I may be totally regretting this Georgia Tech pick, but just keep your eye on it. That's all I'm going to say. And and so, I guess with that, you know, that kind of that, that this was kind of a, I mean, not a short episode, but you know, it was shorter. We kept it kind of quick. And so, uh, you got anything else to add? Man, I really don't. So, I, I'm just so excited that football's back. Yeah, and we're, some some real football. Some real football, not no bullshit Nebraska choke artistry. And so, yeah, we're we're set for week one. We're we're really excited. Um. And I think that pretty well rounds it out. If you, if you guys enjoyed this episode, you know, we're, we're on Spotify. Uh, please share the podcast. Uh, get it out there. We're trying to gain gain some followers and everything. We're on Twitter at the Cover 2 Podcast. We are also on Facebook at the Cover 2 Podcast. You can find us there. And we're, we're still currently on Spotify, like I said. And we're, we're looking for interaction, guys. We want, we want followers. We want listeners. We, we love the interaction, even if it's bad. If you don't like the show, let us know. I, I, know, I now know how to get bad interaction. Yeah. Just go comment <laughs> yeah, on Dal- anything OU Dalton's related. Dalton's going to try to pick some more fights with different fan bases on Twitter while we enjoy these games this weekend. But, uh, adult, if you don't got anything else to add, man, I, I think we're, we're out. So Yeah, yeah man. I, like I said, man, I'm just so glad to be back. And everybody, don't forget to cover the flats. Yep. 